It's the first day of April. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Proverbs 14.1 On this first day of April, April Fool's Day as it's called, we say, well, what exactly is a fool? Well, the Bible gives us a well-rounded view of what a fool and foolishness really is. Now, as far as the world is concerned, and especially on this particular day, uh, if they don't believe in God, I've got a feeling uh, there are a few that are making fun of the church, Christians, believers, because April Fool's Day is just happening to be on Resurrection Day. So you, you know that they're taking advantage of this. There's going to be all sorts of jokes. I'm sure there already has been. Uh, today is that Easter Sunday. Easter doesn't always fall on the same date. We know that. always falls on Sunday, but not on the same day. And a reason for that is because it's always the first Sunday following the equinox, or the full moon of the spring equinox. Yeah, that full moon. Did, did you see it the other night? And anyway, that's, that's when that happens. So, uh, Sunday always stays the same for our Resurrection Day celebration, but not the same day on, on the calendar as far as month is concerned. Uh, this year it does happen to do that. Now, I want to ask you, can you remember the last time and there's probably uh, you know, some in here that's probably going to answer this. They could or maybe not. When was the last time that April Fool's Day was the same day as the Resurrection Day? Has it been in your lifetime? This is stump the church. Nobody has the answer? Well, actually, you're really close. There was one after the 1800s. There was one in 1956. So that pretty well cuts out most of you guys, doesn't it? And even if you were here, you were very little. You were young. <laughs> well, and like I said, it goes all the way back to the 1800s, the one before that. So it doesn't happen that often, does it? The next one is going to be in 2029. So, who knows what the Lord will be doing at that time. Uh, the origin of April Fool's Day is really unclear. People have different ideas. I'll give you a theory, and we'll go with uh, go with that, and then move on, you know, to scripture. But it's you know little little notes here because if you happen to get made fun of because you're a Christian on this day, uh, we'll have plenty of ammunition. <laughs> uh, one theory is that there was a, a Julian calendar. And then there was the Gregorian calendar. The Gregorian calendar replaced the Julian calendar and there was a New Year's Day that would have been equal to what our March is uh, for the Julian calendar. And then it was turned to the Gregorian calendar and the New Year's Day became January, January 1st. Well, there were people who didn't know about it and they kept on celebrating New Year's Day in March. And Or some people said, hey, listen, I don't care. I refuse to accept that. January 1st, I'm going to celebrate my New Year's Day in March or April 1st. And you know what they were called? April Fools! <laughs> because they didn't go along with the New Year's Day that had been changed. Anyway, um, 
that's uh, you, you think of uh, April Fool's jokes, and some of you have done those somewhere along your life. Probably, probably when you were younger, you might still do it if you're older, or if you're younger, you might have even done it today. I don't know. I don't know about that. But we've had jokes played on us too, haven't we? Well, then we ask, but really, who is the fool? All the evidence that Christians have is there to believe. We have every amount of evidence that we need. And most historians that would be at least fair, uh, at least ones who would have to be honest about it, would admit that Jesus did exist. Now I'm not saying that most of them would believe that He rose from the dead, because if that be the case, it's like, okay, rose from the dead? What do you do with that? Has anybody else done that? No. But the thing is, is that most people today in this world, would you agree, do not believe in the resurrection. The thing that we get excited about the most, because it guarantees that we will have life hereafter, we will not die, our bodies will will go on. I mean, we have every reason to rejoice in that, don't we? And don't take that for granted, because we know that. That's a part of the Christian faith. It's it's right uh, in the heart of the Gospel, isn't it? But most people would at least doubt it or not believe it at all. Most would be. But Christ is far above all people who have ever lived, who have established some kind of religion, for instance. Um, And of course, we know uh, all of those died and they were put in their graves. And they never rose. But uh, some people say that actually Jesus... um, he really didn't die on the cross. So the Muslims would say that. Uh, there really wasn't a, a death there, so uh, he just became unconscious for a few days and then came. Uh, he woke. you know. And so that's one of the ideas of that. Christianity is the only path to God. The only way. That's Jesus Christ. He's the only way. Listen, our whole faith stands on this resurrection. Amen. If one did not believe in the resurrection, they do not believe in Jesus Christ. Just as clear cut as that. You have to believe in the resurrection. Or that means that Jesus is what? Dead. And if He's dead, if He was put, died on the cross, put in the tomb, and then that was it, and that's the Christian story, People could say, yeah, He did great miracles and He was a great loving man and look at all the things that He did. He was, And that's where they would leave Him. How would you like that? Well, one thing, we wouldn't even be here. What would be the reason for a, a, a church? The body of Christ all throughout the rest of the world, there would be no reason. He claimed to be the Messiah. Did He come through with it? And our faith stands on that. That thing right there is what holds us in as true Christians. But if Jesus is dead, (laughs) what does that make us? April fools. We're we're banking everything on this, folks. That's, That's how serious this is. But if He rose from the dead and is alive, like we have all sang this morning, song after song, then who are the fools? The ones who don't believe that He rose from the dead. So, since it's April Fool's Day, let us see what God says about fools and foolishness. 
Like I say, I don't really take pride and, and I would not ever come up to somebody and say, you are a fool. But God's Word uses that quite often. You'd be amazed how many times it's in the Bible and I'm not going to use all of them because I don't have time. I, I, I knew there were in quite a few words for it, but I couldn't believe how many there really are. I'm just going to give you a few, okay? Of course, that one that is most noted, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. An atheist, or somebody that says, I don't believe in God. What does God call him? He's a fool. Why? Because all the evidence has been given for him. Regardless of if he's in America or Samoa or Australia, some place where the gospel has never been brought, which pretty well has gone across the world, but there are some people or many people that have not heard of it yet, and that's why we send missionaries and, and want to give the gospel to the lost. I mean, this is the good news. This is one of the reasons why we're here and why he hasn't just taken us up and glorified us. We're here to learn about Him, go through all the things of life, and then do it. But So, most people would call us fools if we believe in these things. If we believe in a man rising from the dead. It doesn't mean anything to them. So, if a fool says in a heart there is no God, it says in Romans 1, 21-23 this, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Worshipping those kind of things. Foolishness. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom is of God. Proverbs 12.15 The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 28.26 Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Proverbs 13.16 All who are prudent act with knowledge, but fools expose their folly. This is all God's Word. This is His Word. We keep going. Proverbs 17.12 Let a man... I think there's a little bit of humor here. Let a man meet a she-bear of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. <laughs> I knew what was coming there. It's better for you to go up against a, a mad, angry she-bear with cubs there than to be around a fool in his folly. Proverbs 18.2 A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 15.5 A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. Proverbs 17.21 To have a fool for a child brings grief. There is no joy for the parent of a godless fool. Proverbs 23.9 Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. 1 Corinthians 1.18-23 For the message of the cross 
is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, God says, and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. See, the wise are the ones who are foolish there. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Bring him on, God says. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Through their own wisdom, they cannot ever know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached, the gospel, the foolishness. If you want to see foolishness, folks, okay, this is foolishness. They're calling the gospel foolishness to say those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. So yeah, to the world what we believe is absolute foolishness. It's no fun. It's all a drudgery. And they will never be caught in church if they're preaching the gospel. Because it's foolishness unless God changes that heart. 1 Corinthians 2.14 But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them. 1 Corinthians 3.18-20 Fools do not understand the things of God. They don't want to. They don't want it. You can tell them and you can preach till you're blue in the face. But if the Spirit of God is not translating this message from heaven, they can't get it. They would like to continue in the way they're going. It's in a dark world. They think they see light. They think they're enjoying these things. Maybe they are for a little while. Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. Of course... One of the things that was happening as he wrote 1 Corinthians 15, which is the longest chapter about the resurrection and the theology of it, all the explanation of what it is, he wrote 1 Corinthians and then that chapter 15. He wanted to assure them because there was word going around that Jesus didn't really resurrect. Or there is no resurrection from the dead. He did, uh, he did resurrect, but we won't. And of course, Paul had to address the Thessalonians because they were told that it already happened. So that kind of foolishness gets around in the world. It's false teaching. Paul, of course, preached Christ crucified. And to the Greeks, the cross was utter foolishness. You know what the word there for foolishness is? Moros. Moria. You know where we get our English word from moron, don't you? It's the moronic form. They're fools, they're morons. We might have used that word when we were younger. Uh, I don't think it would be wise to call anybody a moron. That is not out of love. But at the same time, God has the right to call us what He wants. And so we look at His word and here's what He thinks of these people. Uh, but remember, always there is the good news. <laughs> and uh, of course that's what we're working into here.
His, you know, this thought was really starting to grip hold there in Corinth. And so Paul comes in there, he writes that letter, tells him about it. And so now we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we start at verse 12. And won't we just arise in honor of God's Word because this Word right here is really a comfort to all of us. Now if Christ is preached that He has been raised from the dead, how does some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? There's no resurrection of the dead. But even if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. Your faith also is in vain. Moreover, we are even found to be false witnesses. We're liars of God because we testified against God that He raised Christ whom He did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now, here's the good news, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who are asleep. If you have first fruits, what does that mean? There's more fruit to come. It's a guarantee. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. The first Adam brought in sin, brought in death. The second Adam brought life. He was a man, the man God. Either you're in Adam or you're in Christ. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For He has put all things in subjection under His feet. But when He says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that He has expect- He put all things in subjection to Him. When all things are subjected to Him, then the Son Himself also will be subjected to the One who subjected all things to Him, so that God may be all in all. There's the story from the death, burial, resurrection, all the way to the time Christ comes back, all the way up through the kingdom. And in Christ hands it all back and God is all in all. Let's pray. Father, what a truth You have given us. Thank You for this great comfort of 1 Corinthians 15. And we too must be reminded of that resurrection because that is where we have life. And we'll live forever. If we're Christians, we have already entered into eternal life. We wait for Christ coming back and also getting that new body like He had a new body. Thank You for the resurrection, Lord. How can we say thanks enough? In Jesus' name, Amen. You'll be seated. And of course, that text that we read, we're not going to do uh, an exegetion, exegete of every word here. Uh, matter of fact, it's going to be done just a little bit different. We read that. We're going to be taking things from this text here. 
Um, but, uh, like I say, no, not a lot of explanations of word studies and that kind of thing. It's a one standalone message here today. Although this would be a great, great section to really exposit, wouldn't it? Um, number one, the Bible would be a hoax if Jesus is dead. You know, I'm hoping those weathermen had a hoax for us today. So far, so good. I know it's supposed to be later. But uh, we're talking about snow and, you know, uh, and I know they're backing off of that a little bit more at a time. Who knows? Who cares? We're here to celebrate, have a good time, uh, enjoy each other's fellowship and have some good food near the end. Uh, it's, it shows there that there's snow. Is that north of us there or is that coming down? It's blue stuff. But it's a, it's a long way off yet. Blue at the top and green at the bottom. Okay. A little bit of everything. So, be ready for anything. <laughs> it's April 1st. If Jesus is dead, we are all April Fools. Simple as that. We are, you know, we are morons sitting right here, standing here. Morons. If He's dead. And of course, you remember, uh, there, you know, the whole God is dead thing, you know, that came out. Uh, back decades ago. Did He rise again? I mean, that's the heart of our Gospel. That's what we're, we're hinging everything on that. that. That is it. Some believe we are morons for suggesting that Jesus was actually resurrected from the dead. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, the thing is, if there is a God, and, and a lot of people are in the if, there, there could be, I don't know. Those are the ones that are called agnostics. Agnosis. They don't know. It means ignorance. They, I don't know if there's a God or not. You've ran into those people. Then there's out-and-out atheists who would say there is no God. But that's an absolute foolish statement because they're saying they have all the knowledge in the world and they've seen it and they know it all, everything, and they know that God is not here. And you know what? There can't be an atheist. And Romans 1 even talked about that. There are no such things as atheists. They can claim it all they want. Of course, you know, or they can go to war. And there are no atheists in a foxhole. Or a lot of other places when people really get in a desperate situation. And it's funny, they'll claim, Oh, God! You know, or, or they'll use that as a, a, a swear word. Oh, God. They are, or they're saying that all day long. Or in the movies, Jesus. Jesus. Now, these are not believers. They're not calling on Jesus. You know, they're using it in a really useless, vain way. And of course, the, we know what the commandments say about that. Don't be using those words useless. Um, but anyway, it's kind of funny. Those are people who don't believe in God. They've, they'll claim they don't know God. And they'll use the word God all day long. Have you ever heard that? It's amazing. Would they stop and think about what they're saying? But even if they're is some kind of doubt that person would have. It's like, okay, if there is a God, can God do anything that He wants? That's the whole idea of a God. Other than that, He's less than God. God can do anything, right? The average normal person who's not even a believer ought to at least say, okay, I'll give it to you. There's a God. Okay, He can do anything. He's Superman. He's super God, right? Uh, would there be anything impossible with this God? No. Okay, what if He created? And I know the whole thing about that, you know... You know, but the thing is, there was design in the creation, wasn't there? Designed, there is... Wow, it's something that just has come out in the last few decades that they use so often in uh, police stations and in law and in court. What is that called? DNA. 
And that is a case totally uh, against atheism. And But we're not here to call about that. It's um, If something is impossible with God, then He's not God. He can do anything. A Creator who has made all things then can take one where there has been death and He's so powerful, if He created, He can take something that is dead and make it alive, can He? There's a picture of that every spring. Daffodils have come out. You You didn't see anything of them in January, did you? And then February, you know, late February or in March, you know, all of a sudden you see that. All of a sudden you see, start seeing other flowers. It's like they're dead, or a seed. You know, you, you put it into the ground. It, it's dead. It's been buried. It's, it's not doing anything. You know, what's so pretty about a seed? But then it comes to life. It's just little pictures there that God has given us on that. You know, it's like, oh, think about it, right? Um, to give life to someone who is dead. So, are we fools to believe this? If there is a God, can He do that? Well. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how can they answer otherwise? Uh, if you look in Acts twenty-six, verse eight, why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Why do you consider it so incredible? If God is God, He can do whatever He wants. And so you know he's proving that you know he's talking about the uh, the whole gospel here, and so Paul gives that to them and gives them a great question there, doesn't he? Well, what about what about the claims of Jesus then? Could God raise Jesus from the dead? And we say, well, yeah, he can. I mean, everybody at least have to give that. If there is a God, can he raise him from the dead? The Bible would be a hoax if Jesus is dead, right? Everything here is all a lie. There's nothing here that I really should believe if if he's dead. Now, Jesus made some outrageous claims. Did he ever claim that he would come back to life? Yeah, he told them. He told them that, listen, they're going to kill me. Then I will be buried. On the third day, I will rise again. Now, the disciples didn't get that. He told them a few times, didn't he? As he was marching towards Jerusalem, he you know, kept telling them that. But um, he made claims to be the Messiah. He really made claims to be God. God in the flesh here. He actually had the authority to forgive sins, which is even more amazing than doing some of the miracles that he did. Healing the lame, the crippled, to forgive people of sins is even better, isn't it? Because you can get healed physically and what does that mean as far as eternal life is concerned though? We need our sins forgiven. Jesus said He does that. So, the resurrection really doesn't make Jesus a liar. It proved the claims that He had been making he had proved through miracles and, and on. But this is the greatest one. So either He is who He claimed to be, and you owe Him to bow your knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. If He is not who He claimed to be, then what are we doing here? 
It would be a lie, right? We would be a fool. Jesus would be a fool to say, hey, I'm going to resurrect. Can you imagine somebody going down on high street with a sign and saying, I'm, I'm going to be killed and I'm going to resurrect on the third day. And you'd consider that, that guy needs to be taken to Fulton or somewhere. He, somebody needs to get him off the street. He's not right. Because he is lying. That's, you know. But Jesus is the one. He had already backed it up. He was no fool, was He? But that's the way many looked at Him. That's the way people look at Him today. Well, the disciples preached what Jesus preached. What would that make them if this wasn't true? They would be liars. They would be absolute fools. The disciples, we know, went on and, and took the Gospel out. If you look in Acts 2, verse 24, right off the bat, as soon as Jesus ascended to the heavens, we see where Peter is preaching the Gospel to them. First time that he's done this in this way. And what does he do to back up his statements about this Jesus who they crucified, who they actually had put to death, and then it was still yet God's predetermined plan that this happened, but yet it was the responsibility of men. It was the Jews, it was the Romans, and by the way, it was me. It was you. Because our sins put Him there, right? But this is God's plan. Otherwise, we're sitting here without our sins forgiven if He didn't die. So it is God's plan. That's what's what Peter is claiming here. And if you, you, you doubt that, all you have to do is look at verse 23 and on down. Um, and if you doubt that, then we need to explain the Gospel to you, right? Verse 24, But God raised Him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for Him to be held in its power. Held in death. For David says of Him, so he quotes the Old Testament, quotes David, I saw the Lord always in my presence. He is at my right hand, so that I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, my tongue exulted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades this is Jesus he knew that nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay who's the Holy One this is David I mean uh, Jesus I'm sorry as David writes this you have made known to me the ways of life you'll make me full of gladness with your presence brethren I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day a thousand years later. He says, you go there. That's David's tomb. His remains are still there. His skeleton. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Christ that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. And here's what Peter says then. This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Then he goes on and tells about the ascension. He's sitting at the right hand of God. He's saying this in front of who? All the Jewish people. On this particular day, the it was a, a feast, right? This is the uh, Pentecost, Acts chapter two. It's where the power of the Holy Spirit 
came in to all the believers, Peter now is saying things that he had never said before. And he's quoting Scripture. And what is it? He says, he died, but I want to tell you something. Here's what the Old Testament has told us. That he would be raised from the dead. If you were standing in that crowd and you had never heard this message before, you go, whoa. That's right. That's right. That's what it says there. And we did see Him after He was crucified on the cross. What must I do to be saved? Right? And that's what they did. They Later on, they said, well, we do. And He says, repent. Repent. There has to be forgiveness of sins. So, the apostles all the way through the Gospels, the book of Acts, the book of Acts, you can go from chapter 2 and go right on through and they keep preaching Christ, death, burial, resurrection. And repent. Forgiveness of sins. That's all in the Gospel. That's what they preached. The same message. Kept preaching it, preaching it, preaching it. 2,000 years later, what's the church preaching? The same thing. I hope. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about there were like not only the witnesses of the apostles and of course the women first, then then Peter, the apostles, and and then like in 1 Corinthians 15 it says there were 500 witnesses. How many witnesses do you need? Two or three in a court. This is overwhelming evidence. If 500 people walked up, first of all, that's not going to happen because the judge is going to, boom, hit that gavel like that. He's just saying, court is adjourned. (laughs) He's innocent. I mean, there are too many witnesses that saw him that knew that he had died and they saw him walking. 500 individuals. If this isn't true though, the disciples were fools. You want to know why they were fools? Because they gave up their lives for a lie. And knew it was a lie. Now would you be willing to give up your, your life? Maybe if it's a lie but you don't know it's a lie. Somebody t- And you, were, you thought that hey, this is true and you go all the way and then you find out oh that wasn't true. You know, and then you wind up getting your head cut off. But what if you know that this is a lie and you go out and tell it to others and you go and knowing full well that this is going to, you're going to have to the same thing happen that Jesus happened. Uh, one of them we know got crucified upside down. Others got um, beheaded. Some sawn asunder and some were boiled in oil. All those disciples were persecuted in that way and killed. John, who wrote Revelation, was put in a boiling vat of oil, it said, and he survived that. Of course, we have Revelation to read and such. And first, second, third John, the Gospel of John. And those guys were willing to give up their lives for what they knew to be true. If it's a lie, do you think they'd do that? No. They wouldn't do that at all. Would you do it? They wouldn't do it. They're not that stupid. You know, they, they had some stupid times, but they weren't that stupid. I don't think. Not all twelve. For one thing, do you remember what they did whenever Jesus was put on the cross? Where did they go? Did they hang around there? Give moral support to the fam? No. They they 
they ran. They had already taken off. They weren't even anywhere to be found. Were pretty brave, right? No, they were they were chickens. They were in fear and trembling. They're not going to talk about Jesus coming from the dead. Are you kidding me? They will. Uh, another thing, if you were writing a fabrication, okay, we got to make something and really make it believable. Let's just make it just overwhelming. Remember, there was, there was how about uh, presenting a weak woman offering to carry away the body uh, of a full-grown man? Would you have had Christ folding up the grave clothes? Or maybe, and doing it very neatly? Isn't that the way that we find it in the Gospels? Yeah. Well, wouldn't it be more dramatic if you put it in a movie where he just tears those grave clothes off, <laughs> yanks them off, and throws them up against the wall on the tombs? Here I go. Spectacular ways the movie makers would love to make it. But this is true, folks. I mean, this is true. I mean, it's an accurate historical account of a historical fact. It's indisputable fact that the grave of Jesus was empty. And there are the Romans, the Roman guards, the Jews, the Jewish guards to prove it. Because whenever they tried to cover it up, because, and by the way, they sealed that tomb, that big, massive stone that no ladies could come along and roll away. What were they thinking anyway, bringing those spices? Well, it's just like women, go ahead, we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. They're going to bring the spices. How are they going to get in there? Well, there'll be some men around. Somebody will get that, you know, you know, right? But uh, it was already rolled away. Uh, the thing is, what was the excuse that the Jews gave? And to this day, is still an excuse that the body wasn't there. What's the excuse? We fell asleep, but we know it was his friends that did it. What you you fell asleep? And you have proof that it was his friends that stole the body. You fell asleep. Did you did you just hear what you just said? If you're asleep, how do you know what anybody did, right? And so they they used that. the The Jews paid the soldiers to spread that kind of news. That's uh, that's what is used. The terror and the fear of the disciples. They too thought they would be crucified. But whenever they were convinced it was truth after that resurrection, then filled with God's Spirit, they risk everything. They risk it all. Now, you know, can you imagine if they if they knew it was a lie? They risk every they would risk everything to take the body of Jesus away. And how in the world are they going to do that? And, and, and give them some kind of something for maybe give them some drugs, the the soldiers or something, you know, where they can go to sleep or. But to hide a corpse also was another thing. Where, where are they going to do that? I'm sure that the Roman soldiers and all the Jews would be going out and looking for that dead body, that corpse, somehow, some way. They're not going to get away with that, or they'd do a quick burial somehow. It wasn't easy to 
bury people in that rocky ground around where Jerusalem is at. It's rock. You'd take a shovel and you'd get a little bit of dust there and you'd be taking up maybe a little bit of rock and boom, you hit a huge mass of rock. So what are they going to do? His friends took him away. It's impossible. Okay, number two. There would be no salvation if Jesus is dead. No salvation, right? If He's dead. The resurrection must be believed to be saved. Paul told the Corinthian church, and that's what we read in 1 Corinthians 15 there, if Jesus didn't arise, then we are lost in our sins. Does, does everybody here have sin? Most of you? We all have sinned, right? We'd be lost in that. We would be without hope. There would, If Jesus is dead... There would be no salvation for mankind. Maybe we could be looking to it. This Jesus was the one that came here was a liar. But he fulfilled all the prophecies. That's the problem. <laughs> we have to do something with that. Romans chapter 10, 9, and 10. I think everybody is probably familiar with that. You've heard it probably very often. 10, 9, and 10, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. What does he believe? That Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. So if one can say, well, I believe that He is Lord, but I really have a difficult time with Him being raised from the dead. Who told you that gospel? Well, the thing is, that's the heart of it. If they deny the resurrection, then who is Jesus anyway? And then He's a dead Jesus and you're not saved. So, I remember one person I talked about who was really into doing evangelism and um, there was a foreign student... I think from China, and he was very, very intelligent, very smart. And he said, uh, you know what, I really believe in this Jesus, and I accept that Gospel. He says, I believe that, but you know, I, I cannot believe in that resurrection. That, that, cannot, that does not make sense to me. I can't believe it. I reject that, but I'll take Jesus. And she said, you know, I really think in the heart of hearts that he was really a believer because he, he believed in Jesus. But what was the reason that he died and then arose from the grave? It says that's how we're justified. If you can't believe in a resurrection, you can't believe that Christ is even going to come back. It's beyond the mind and and the thinking, isn't it? It goes into where God gave you that belief to have because it's not natural to believe that somebody came out of a tomb living after they were dead. That doesn't happen. Nobody has ever pulled that off except Jesus. Jesus cried, It is finished. He meant the work there that He was doing on the cross. But there was still something else to happen and that's the resurrection. That completed the work, didn't it? He, uh, If He did not arise, we have no hope. We have no eternal life. We have no comfort of something better after death and we would still be in our sins. Resurrection sealed the victory, didn't it? A couple of our songs talked about victory. 
But it wasn't His death that sealed the victory. It was the resurrection. Death has been defeated because of Jesus' resurrection. The third one, about ready to finish here. There would be no reigning Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's reigning right now, right? If Jesus is dead, how could He be reigning? How could He be on the throne? Why did God Jesus raise Jesus from the dead? Well, there's a lot of reasons. For one thing, it sure vindicates everything that Jesus said, doesn't it? He said He would rise from the dead. God raised Him from the dead and declared Him to be His Son with power. As it says in Romans. No one can dispute historical facts. Of course, you can go back and you can read even Josephus. It's been stated that uh, he talked about this Jesus just a little bit, that He lived on this earth. He walked around Jerusalem and all around Israel. And in one statement, it is even said that He resurrected. He rose from the dead. Anyway, some people uh, do doubt if Josephus said that. He, he's, uh, he was an unbelieving Jew, but if he did state it, it's a historical fact, but uh, they, it, Jesus was spoken of by other historians. And, of course, there can be some mention of Him living after His death. That's at least what the Christians believed in their report. So, He's unique, isn't He? Jesus is so unique. Who's the father of, of the Jews? Abraham. Abraham never rose from the dead. Go to other religions. Muhammad, one of the biggest names of our day now as far as religion is concerned. He never rose from the dead. Buddha, he's definitely different from Buddha. Buddha never rose from the dead. He's different than Confucius. Confucius never rose from the dead. These are some of the uh, the great leaders, so-called, of some of the most or the biggest religions there are in the world. He's different than Joseph Smith or Brigham Young, the Mormons. He died. They died. But God raised Jesus from the dead to vindicate that He is the Son of God and He is the only Savior. And this gives believers and every believer assurance that we are justified. We are justified. Isn't it wonderful? Romans says He was delivered for our offenses. He was delivered up to the cross for our offenses, our sins, and was raised again for our justification. He just doesn't save us, but He justifies us. What does that mean? To be declared righteous by God. That means when we stand, when we sit, where we're, if we're truly His, as far as God is concerned, we are declared righteous because of Christ's work, not ours. We are righteous as we stand before Him because our sins have been forgiven. Sin question has been dealt with. And we can look at that resurrection. Even though we weren't here, we can see that God was pleased with the sacrifice of Christ as He made atonement for our sins and then He proved it in that resurrection. And it also means that He sits at the throne as He ascended to the heavens. He sits on the right hand. And also He's going to come back and He will judge. 
because of the resurrection also God has appointed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He ordained, whereof He has given assurance unto all men in that He has raised Him from the dead. Acts 17. God has appointed a judgment day. And it's everything is based on the fact they need to look at the resurrection of Christ. He's exalted. And in the future, everything will be all in all as we did that 1 Corinthians 15 passage. If He had never raised, He had never been on the throne. He would never come back, would He? There wouldn't be any power in our prayers. There wouldn't be any power in this Word of God. There wouldn't be no power in your life in anything. He's alive. He's reigning right now in heaven. He lives today at the right hand of the throne of God and He lives in us. He's alive. He is risen. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord, for giving us this assurance, this comfort, this great good news. We know that the documents were written. They were closed out 2,000 years ago. Those documents are still with us. They have all the claims of Jesus. They have all the claims of the apostles about Jesus. There are more documents than any other written biographies, about other, just anything. The manuscripts are thousands and thousands, Lord, that You've given. And we can have absolute proof in our own minds because ultimately the Word of God is what is to be believed and it is true. These documents are with us. And as we read this morning, this is what we're basing our whole hope on. Otherwise, this is all a joke. And by the way, life would be a joke without the Savior, Jesus Christ. But because of that, life is worth living. Life is precious. And it's something we thank You so much for bringing us into this world and then bringing us into Your kingdom, Lord, and converting us from our sin. And if there would be anybody here that did not trust in that message, that they would see the validity of this resurrection and why it came about, what that death is about, And Lord, as we finish this part of worship up, as we go into the Lord's Supper, may it have true meaning to us as we show that we have partaken of this living Christ who is God, who is Lord. Thank You for this day. Thank You for we have good news that has been put into our hearts. Help us put it into others' hearts so they can hear this message. In Jesus' name, Amen.